I'm Dr. Mandy Meeks, and you're listening to the Behind the Brace podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing conversations and resources to help families and providers navigate the world of scoliosis. This is your place to find hope for a better solution so that you can live your best life. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Scoliosis Awareness Month and we are back this week talking about some of the myths of scoliosis. And this week we're gonna talk about the lie of there's nothing we can do. Uh, A lot of patients come into my office and they're wondering if there are other resources or opportunities that they might have available to them after being told that there's really nothing that they can do. So some of the reasons why families might be told that is um, the tools that different providers have are different. And so oftentimes what I find is, is that if they've been told that there's nothing that they can do, um, it's in the sense of they've found something going on in their spine, they've been diagnosed, and then they've been sent to a specialist, which is usually a surgical specialist. And so when they're looking at their case and their x-rays and evaluating them, really what they're looking at is, you know, the brace that they use, is that going to be beneficial for them? And if it's not, then it's usually not something that they would recommend, obviously. Um, But then if they're not using a brace, really the only other tool that they have is surgery. And so if it's not bad enough to warrant a surgical intervention, then they say, come back in six months or come back in a year, they reevaluate see if it's getting worse, see if it's the same, um, to see if there's a different recommendation. So when families have been told there's nothing that we can do, that's usually the scenario that they've they've been looking at. Um, so I want to talk about that just a little bit. Um, depending on what's going on in your specific situation, there still may be things that can be done. Um, So if surgery is not something that's sitting in front of you, if your case is not severe enough that they feel like surgery is an option, um, sometimes they might recommend physical therapy or they might tell you that, you know, stretching, exercise, yoga, you know, whatever makes the symptoms better, go ahead and do that. But they they don't usually uh, recommend or um, send a referral to anyone specific. They just kind of say, okay, yep, do what works for you. Come back. We'll make sure it's not getting worse. If it gets worse, we'll do surgery. If it doesn't get worse, then we'll just watch it. Um, and so that's where a lot of the families come from when they come into my office. Um, and sometimes they may have even seen other providers before, like a physical therapist here and there, or maybe a massage therapist, or maybe they've gotten adjusted a few times. Um, but really haven't gotten any relief. Um, Or sometimes they haven't seen anybody. Sometimes they've been told that, you know, there's really nothing you can do. And so they just haven't seen anybody. And so if you're sitting in that boat, um, I really do want to let you know that there's a lot of benefit from uh, different providers and a lot of different tools that you can access um, that can be beneficial. Um, So the first case that pops into my head is um, we had somebody come in. They were a little bit uh, older, like 15, 16 years old, um, their growth plates were getting close to closing. And so uh, if you remember, I've talked about this before, how uh, the most opportune time to make changes to your spine is when your growth plates 
are open, when you're growing. Um, you know, so once you get to the point where you're 16, 15, 16, 17 um, years of age, your growth plates are almost closed um, and you've hit some of those milestones, that's where they say, well, like, well there's really nothing we can do. Um, but we had a case come in where this was the scenario. Um, they didn't have any options. They said that they couldn't do anything. And uh, there was a curve in his back that was pretty significant, um, but not surgical. And we were able to successfully provide a brace that reduced the curve um, close to 30 degrees in brace. Um, and that's a huge change because not only did it change daily activities, it's changing his posture, it's reducing the pressure on the spine from from the curve when he was you know walking around doing normal everyday things. Um, there's just a lot of things that that can change. And I think that that's a scenario that is quite common, especially if kids are a little bit older, um, they say that there's not a whole lot that they can do. We've actually gotten really great correction with uh, the types of curves that he has um, when kids are older, um, which sometimes isn't the case if you have a scoliosis. And so if you're familiar with... Um, a hyperkyphosis, which essentially is like that front to back curve, kind of when somebody is slunched over or their shoulders come forward. Um, it's the front to back curve, not the side to side scoliosis curve. Um, I don't know if there's a better way to really describe that, but um, the hyperkyphosis diagnosis that we have seen, we've been able to make changes um, in kids later when they're older, when their growth plates or maybe even a little bit more towards the end of that um, closing range and had really great success with it. So sometimes with different bracing approaches, um, there's options there. Uh, the same with scoliosis. Our goals might change um, as the situation changes. So obviously somebody coming in at 12 years old with a new scoliosis diagnosis um, is probably going to have a better chance of having that correction than, say, if somebody's coming in at 18 years old where their growth plates are closed, they've already gone through puberty, they're done growing, um, and all of those things. It doesn't mean that we can't make changes. It just means that we probably wouldn't make as many changes as if it was six years earlier, right? So the key to this is always early detection, early diagnosis, and uh early intervention, meaning that we start implementing these protocols earlier. So that way, we have a better opportunity to make changes and allow um, people to heal and to manage their scoliosis or their hyperkyphosis or whatever their diagnosis might be, whatever the spinal issue is, um, that they can manage that earlier. Um, so one other thing that I want to just touch on too, because I think sometimes um, the perspective that we have seems as though um, bracing or different treatment options um, can be done in a way that if you end up in a situation where surgery is necessary, that all of those things have kind of been done in vain. Um, and so there's a couple of very specific cases that I just want to talk about because um, there's benefits to all of these things, um, even if you end up having surgery. And so sometimes what will happen is I'll see patients that are within that surgical range 
Um, They're really not wanting surgery, but they know that they're probably going to have to have surgery and they're trying to navigate that. Um, And in those situations, we can still provide very valuable resources. And this is something that um, isn't talked about very often, but it's something that's really important because if you have a curve in your spine that, say, is 65 degrees, um, and it's a really significant, severe curve that you know at some point is going to need a surgical intervention. Um, if you don't ever address it, if you don't ever help your body um, start to change that, become more flexible, to have more movement, um, to start to be able to correct some of those postural changes, um, the likelihood is is that you know you'll still have surgery. And oftentimes that surgery might be a little bit more difficult and the recovery might be a little bit more difficult because, you know, you're working with a spine that's rigid and um, it can affect some of those changes as you move forward. Um, So we have often worked with families ahead of a surgery where they've worn a brace um, anywhere from, you know, three to six to 12 months. Uh, prior to their surgery, it's a three-dimensional overcorrective brace um, where sometimes uh, that brace can offer anywhere from 20, 20, 25. Sometimes I've had somebody that w- we were able to uh, gain 33 degrees of correction in their brace. So it went from a 63-degree curve down to a 30-degree curve in brace. So when they had their brace on, their spine was in a completely different position. Um, It was allowing more movement. It was allowing those muscles um, to respond and uh, to be able to shift their posture and allow their body to work differently um, when they were doing their normal everyday things. And so by wearing that for a period of time, prior to the surgery, you know, that allows that spine to already get used to that position. So when the surgeons go in and they go to make those corrections, um, and then, you know, obviously the the surgery happens and you come home and your body is recovering from that, um, it just allows your body to be able to process through that a little bit easier because it's already has been used to being in that overcorrective position for a period of time. So wearing that brace isn't um, you know, not worthwhile. I know sometimes people feel they're like, well, why did I wear that? Because I ended up having surgery anyway. And wearing a brace isn't, you know, a fun thing to do. And um, it changes how I do my normal daily things and all of those things. Um, but it does really have a positive effect on your body and helping you move into that surgical procedure and the recovery, um, you know, when you come out of that and just, hopefully even getting the best possible surgical correction that you can. Um, And so that's a situation that we don't talk about often because, you know, most of the time when families come in to talk to me, their goal is is that they want to fix things and correct things to a point where surgery is not necessary. Um, And and oftentimes we can do that. Uh, However, every once in a while, we run across a case where Either things have just progressed so significantly or quickly, um, or they've gotten to an age where we're just not able to get the corrections that we need to prevent surgery. Um, However, we are able to help and support them into that pre and post-surgical stage. Um, So that way they can have the best results just throughout their care, whether that's coordinating with uh, a surgeon or not coordinating with a surgeon. Um, So that's a big 
A big topic that is oftentimes just skipped over, but also really important to acknowledge because there's definitely a time and place that um, we say that, you know, hey, surgery is appropriate um, and this is how we can support you as you move forward through that. Um, as far as the nothing, nothing we can do, right? So some of those cases are, you know, those cases that are surgical or, um, you know, if it's not bad enough for surgery, but the child is old enough where they don't feel like the brace that they have is appropriate or they just don't have those other tools. Um, some of the other cases, though, where they say, you know, there's nothing that we can do can even be those more minor cases. And we talked about this a couple episodes back where um, sometimes even a brace may be necessary, even though the specific criteria might not be exactly what would normally be recommended. Um, it can be very useful because it is overcorrective and it's three-dimensional. That sometimes when we're dealing with things like pain or um, altered uh, function, altered motion, an inability to do normal daily tasks, things like that, um, that either using the adjusting techniques that we have along with at-home uh, traction devices um, and sometimes bracing, um, those things can be really helpful in the situations where you've seen all the specialists and they just say, well, there's nothing we can do. We'll see you see you back in six months or 12 months or whatever that might be. Um, the same situation comes about too in adult cases when it's not severe enough that surgery would be warranted, but it's altering how your normal daily life goes. Um, that's where sometimes people will circle back and they'll say, okay, we'll do the PT. Sometimes they'll even recommend chiropractic care sometimes. Um, but if that's not working, then they essentially send people to the pain clinic to help manage their pain. And that's where we can be really helpful too, because um, sometimes a brace can be helpful in those cases, which uh, for adults, instead of wearing it full time, it's more of that six to eight hours a day uh, range that can be helpful. But oftentimes it's about finding your, the right team to help manage that. So whether that's somebody that's doing some body work, like a massage therapist, um, doing some physical therapy, um, getting adjusted on a regular basis, and then implementing whatever um, devices might be appropriate for you, whether that's a traction device that we would prescribe and send home with you, or sometimes potentially it might be that a brace would be necessary that you can implement into your daily routine. So it's usually not one thing. It's typically a few things that come together uh, to create a team of people to help support you. Um, but the biggest point that I want to get across is regardless of your situation, um, if you've been told that there's nothing that you can do, or if you've been told that there's nothing that anybody can do for your child, oftentimes there are things that can be done. And it just may not be within the box of what that provider has available. Um, and it might not necessarily be the magic button that fixes everything either. Um, I want to make that really clear that it's not as though, you know, you walk into our office and we hit the, the magical easy button and all of a sudden everything is corrected and perfect and fine and and corrected and and that there's not truth to some of those conversations. Um, however, when we talk about there's nothing that we can do, there's always something that we can do. There's always something that we can implement to help support you, your family, or your child as you move through whatever diagnosis it might be. And so whether that's 
a combination of things or one specific thing you need to add. Um, that's that's just something that we can talk about um, as you come in and as we look at your specific situation to be able to help guide you. And if it's not something that we offer, we have a network of people where we can say, okay, it's not something that we can help you with here. However, these people would probably be the best resources for you. Um, so I just really want to encourage anybody listening that if it's you or your family or friends that you know, um, if you've been told that, um, just I would really strongly encourage you to reach out, um, get another opinion, um, have somebody else take a look at what is going on um, and and really be able to have some conversations about what other options might be. So if you want some more information on that or if you have something specific you'd like to ask, ask us, um, you can always reach out to our clinic. Um, you can go to our website. It's behindthebrace.com. Um, find more information there or find um, a way to connect with us through there or our Facebook page. Um, Hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully you have a great week and we will be back next week with more tips. Thanks for spending time with me today. If you could leave a review before you go, that would help us reach more people that need this message. To learn more about the services and resources that we have available, visit us at behindthebrace.com. This show is produced by Raymond T Media. To learn more about how they can help you with your podcast, visit raymateam.com.